Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to make realistic improvements in their lives and reach their goals, however big or small. We are building a community of men and women who love to push themselves to overcome obstacles and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a wonderful Thanksgiving week and that your feast tomorrow is full of family and friends. We've already had tremendous support for this podcast. I have heard from many listeners like Danny from Roots to Blossoms on Instagram, and she posted about listening to his podcast on her walk. So thanks so much, Danny. That was fun to have that shout out. I would love to hear more from all of you. If you can use the hashtag about progress podcast, I would love to see what you're up to while you're listening. Today, I have a great interview for you. It is with Jamie Davis. Jamie was an amateur athlete a few years ago. After competing a sprint triathlon, she set the goal to participate in the Ironman World Championships. 
The process for even qualifying for the Ironman Championship is unbelievable, and Jamie will tell you more about what that entailed. So, Jamie decided this was something she could achieve in four years, and she did it in two. Today, you're going to hear from Jamie how she did this. Of course, there was a tremendous amount of sacrifice and grit and determination in her training. But the thing that I love the most is how transparent Jamie is about the amount of self-doubt she constantly faced. She faced failure every day in her training, things that would make other athletes quit, but Jamie didn't quit. She took it one step at a time and she accepted herself in the process for doing the best that she could. And that's what counted. Every single day counted in her training and it made her an Ironman. So I would love for you to listen to what Jamie has to say about what this was like for her. Hi, Jamie. Hi. So I would like our listeners to know more about you who are not familiar with you. I'm sure there are many who are who are listening, but either way, can you tell us a little more about yourself, including where you're from? Yeah, um, I'm 24 years old. I'm from Walnut Creek, California. I'm the middle child of two brothers. Um, I work for a medical technology company full time. And when I'm not working, I like to hang out with my friends, family, go camping and um, compete in triathlons. That's so great. I love to hear that you were in the middle of two boys. I didn't know that you had two brothers. Yeah, growing up with two boys has been pretty awesome. Um, got beat up a lot when I was younger, but it's made me a stronger woman, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> so, you know, t- t- we are going to spend a lot of time talking about your um, journey into triathlons and how that has gone for you, but I would like to know a little more of your history. So I wanted to know if you've always been a go-getter because doing these all these triathlons on top of a full-time job, and that takes a lot of work ethic and ambition. So I wanted to know more about that for you. What were you like as a kid and, and has that personality trait always been there? As a kid, I grew up, um, playing sports and competing in every sport. I've always loved competition and pushing myself. Um, I raced motocross with my brothers when I was younger for, I don't know, over 10 years or so, we spent all of our time traveling all over the country and, you know, meeting friends and racing dirt bikes. So it was great growing up to do that and um, always having a goal to strive for in racing. But yeah, growing up, I was just always like outgoing, making friends with anyone, trying to include everyone. And just because I traveled all over the country, I made friends all over the country. And so I've always, yeah, I've always just loved meeting people and getting to know them and seeing how they view life and just, you know, seeing life from their eyes. So how, how long ago did you stop doing the motocross racing? Um, probably when I was 19, I had a pretty bad crash and my parents kind of asked me, forced me, I guess, Mm -hmm. to stop racing. My brothers continued to race, but I didn't. So I still went with them. But so that's kind of what got me into triathlons eventually is I needed something that was like a competitive and something that I could do to push myself. Mm -hmm. And I, that's, I first started out running, doing 
half marathons and everything, and then eventually worked my way up to triathlons. Okay, so you started, did you always run? You said you were athletic growing up, or was that just the hobby you took up in place of doing your racing? I did cross-country and track in high school, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't very good at it. I did it more as a social thing to Mm -hmm. hang out with friends after school, and I actually didn't even like running at all. But when I was in college... (laughs) When I was in college, my mom, she races um, full marathons, Ironmans, all of that stuff. And she's amazing at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she kind of encouraged me to sign up for a half marathon and do one with her. So I did. And then I, I just fell in love with it. I loved the idea of getting better and pushing myself. And it was, I've always loved motocross racing because it's up to you like you're you're not relying on a team Mm. like your success is dependent on you and I think that's the same in running and triathlons I don't have to um rely on anyone else yeah it's all based on me and my performance oh I love that so so your mom was she a big part of your journey to falling in love with racing yeah, I saw her doing it when I was growing up. She's been doing it for probably over 20 years now. Mm. And she's just been great at it. And so I think that watching her just over the years be so good at it and the dedication that she put into it has, like, um, rubbed off on me. And so yeah. then that's why, I, that's why I love it. It's just it's a great sport to do and... You can do it forever. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like your family was a pretty goal-oriented family. Yes, they are. We've always, you know, set goals and set high goals and then um, always have encouraged each other and supported each other growing up. My brother raced uh, dirt bikes professionally, and my family was there at every race doing oh, whatever they could to support him and then it was the same with me and my triathlon during my training they would always be supportive of me saving me dinners at 9 30 at night when I'd be getting home from working out and being at my races so yeah we're very goal oriented and very supportive of each other that's so great that makes all the difference right it really does like I always I I can't say it enough having Supportive people on your side is the like the reason you will or will not succeed. Oh wow! You know, so many people don't really say that. I mean, you just see those athletes, and you think, I mean, you admire them for how hard they work for it, their abilities, but so few people recognize the support they get to make it that far. And I think you just did that. Yeah, I. I mean, truthfully, I would not have been a successful athlete or as successful as I have been if it wasn't for the supportive people like my friends, my family, my coach. Mm-hmm. Um, like there, cause there's a lot of people who try to discourage you and tell you that, you know, when you, when you make these big goals or dreams that tell you like, you know, you can't do that or that's way too big of a goal. Um, that's a lot of hard work or just try to discourage you. And, and it is discouraging, but then when you have those 
few people who support you and push you, motivate you and tell you you can do it, then those that that's the reason that you get through it because they're by your side helping you. So your first half marathon, how many years ago was that? That doesn't seem like it was that long ago, right? No, my first half marathon was probably three and a half years ago. So you've gone from running your first half marathon and do you know how many tries you've done or even races, marathons or halves or marathons included? Um, so my first, I did my first half marathon and after that I fell in love with it. Um, after that I did 16 half marathons and then (laughs) I really liked running. Yeah. (laughs) And then... After that, I did a full marathon. The same year that I did a full marathon, I did my first triathlon. When I did my first triathlon, I ended up doing really well and getting first in my age group and fourth overall. And then that was the start of my triathlon journey. Um, So when was that? How long ago was your first try? My first triathlon was in October of 2014, so Two years ago. Wow. I am so impressed by how fast (laughs) you've risen, you know, within that field. It's amazing. Yeah, it was, it's been a lot of hard work. So after my first triathlon, I actually, even before my first triathlon, when I just went to go watch a triathlon, I watched a half Ironman. And that's when I fell in love with mm. the sport of triathlon, just seeing all these amazing athletes pushing their bodies and not giving up. It was like in the middle of July, 92 degrees out, and these people just working their mm. bodies and just kept going. And so I just fell in love with the idea of pushing like your mind and your body like to its limits to see what you're really capable of doing. And then I did my first triathlon in October, and after that, I was like, I want to go to Kona for Ironman World Championships one day. I went from a sprint distance, which is, it was like a 500-meter swim, a 12-mile bike ride, and a three-mile run. Mm-hmm. And my dream was to go to Ironman, which is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and a 26.2-mile run. Wow. So there was a big difference, Huge but difference. I just... I was confident in what I could do if I worked really hard. And my goal was to do it in four years. So so two years I ago, just, you set that huge goal to do Kona. Yeah. Tell people mm-hmm. what it takes to get into Kona. Because it's not like you can just sign up for it. Right. So to go, in order to go to Kona, you have to compete in a full Ironman somewhere else in the world. Um and you have to essentially win your age group. Um, in certain age groups, you can get second place, but for a majority of the age groups, you have to win. Oh and gosh. so my goal was I have to do an Ironman, and I have to win it. So not only did I have to finish my oh. first full Ironman, but I had to win my first full Ironman. And it was, I mean, it was intimidating, stressful, and... I knew it came down to like this one moment. So I did, I signed up for Ironman Canada Mm -hmm. and we raced in Whistler, which is in British Columbia. And leading up to that, I 
every race I did, I did about five half Ironmans prior to that. Mm. And every race had, in one way or another, prepared me for the course that was going to be Whistler. And and I I didn't always have a perfect race. I didn't always win. Um, it, It was, like, humbling at the same time because other girls would, you know, beat me. And I thought in my mind, like, I, I was good enough to win these mm-hmm. half Ironmans, but I didn't always mm-hmm. win. And so going into Whistler, I was like, I have to win this no matter what. Like, I have no other option other than to go out there and give it my all. And that's what I did. So I went out there and I just gave it everything I had and it was either I do it or I don't do it. But if I, I knew that if I gave it my all, then I couldn't be disappointed in the results either way. Um, but yeah, I gave it my all and it paid off. Two years of consistent hard work paid off because I won the Ironman in Canada and I qualified to go to Kona for the world championships. I'm in awe. You can't see me shaking my head. I'm like, my mouth is open. I'm like shaking my head. It's unbelievable. So, so you made that huge goal two years ago. How did you break down that huge goal? You said you did some halves, uh, five halves. Is that part of your, okay, tell us more about that. So really it started out when I made this goal that I wanted to go to Kona in four years. So by 2018, Mm. I was originally going to start out just doing sprint distance and Olympic distance triathlons to build my endurance and my experience in triathlons. And I've always trained with people who are faster than me, who know a lot more about triathlons than me, Mm -hmm. because training with faster people makes you faster and then learning from them just makes you an overall better athlete. Mm -hmm. Well, Doing that, they've they convinced me to block out that plan of just doing sprints and Olympics and to just sign up for a half Ironman. So I went from a sprint distance to just a few months later to doing my first full, I mean, my, my first half Ironman. Mm-hmm. And then um, I ended up doing really well in that. I got third place. And crazy. after that, I just... I kept doing, I loved the half Ironman distance. It's a great distance. And tell, so I kept doing what that. that. Is. It's, what is the specifics on that? A half Ironman is a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike, and then a 13.1 mile run for a total of 70.3 miles. So it's and still crazy. <laughs> it's still crazy, it's but not as crazy. <laughs> wow. So you jumped, you went, you didn't. You skipped the sprint and Olympic plan and you went to the half plan. I did. And because I was just, I think because I was successful in my half Ironman races that I decided I could do a full Ironman sooner than what I had originally planned for. And it worked out. (laughs) Wow. So I want to know about, the, those three sports, running, swimming, and cycling, were you mm-hmm. always, I know you said you ran in high school, but what about swimming and cycling? How was that learning curve for you? Um, I grew up 
doing a little, being on swim team and so doing swim team for a little while, but I didn't do it forever, but I've always loved swimming and have felt very comfortable and confident in the water. So that was never an issue for me. Mm -hmm. For me, the biggest issue was cycling. Mm -hmm. So when I was younger, probably I think I was in eighth grade, I had a pretty bad accident on a bike, just riding my bike for fun. And I, I crashed, I got scars all over my body, oh. my arms, my leg, my face, inside my mouth. I was oh. I was pretty messed up. <laughs> and so all the way up until, so I think that happened in eighth grade, and then all the way up until um, two years ago, so August 2014, I refused to ride a bike. Even if it was just down the street, I did not want to ride a bike. I was pretty traumatized from it. Yeah. But... I had to get over that fear if I wanted to do a triathlon. Like, you can't do a triathlon without the bike. So I slowly just got over the fear and got back on a bike to just start riding and pedaling and getting comfortable and confident on it again. Mm -hmm. Um, So every single day for two months, I just rode a bike. It was not fast. It was not good. Um, But I didn't crash. I didn't have any bad experiences with it. And then... Yeah, I got over that fear, and now I love riding my bike. Like, I go and ride my bike for seven hours, and so so that was the hardest part for me was to get over that fear of the bike and getting comfortable on the bike again, but it it was amazing. Like, I'm so glad I did. Mm -hmm. I think about if I never... If I never did a triathlon, would I still never have rode a bike again? Would I still be traumatized of the bike? But I'm just glad that I got over that fear. That's a legitimate fear, too. You know, (laughs) it's a big fear. It's biking, cycling in general can be very dangerous. Um, I know a lot of my mom has crashed and Mm, been in the hospital from a bike crash and a lot of people I know have as well. Um, it's definitely the scariest because you're most, you're the most likely to get hurt on the bike, but you just can't live in fear either. And there's people around you too, or is that not the case? I feel like when I watch races, the cyclists are so close to each other. So it can be just someone else's mistake. Yeah, you're very close to each other. It could be someone else's mistake in training. It could be a car's mistake. I don't think cars realize a lot of the time how close they are to cyclists and how Mm. just one wrong move could end it for that person. Um, Mm. If someone's like, my biggest fear is always someone texting and driving, not paying attention and just swerve like, just swerving in the bike lane slightly. And if they clip your back tire, like that could be the end of it, or you could end up in the hospital. It's, it's pretty scary to think about, but I, I actually, I'm always aware of my surroundings and I pay very close attention. Um, but a lot of people don't and it's, yeah, you have to be very cautious on the bike. So can't, you can't listen to music or anything while you're on that bike for seven hours, even for a training? In or, training, you can. Um, you I listen in to he- I have a headphone in one ear. You're, it's actually illegal to have it in both ears, and it's also not safe. Yeah. Um, 
But in one ear, it's okay. But in racing, you cannot have any music, not on the swim, bike, or run. Oh, I don't know if I could ever do it. I mean, even if I were an amusing athlete like you, just that, that's, that takes so much inner motivation that I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. It really does. You just have to be mentally tough and mentally like talk yourself and to keep going because it gets it gets very lonely out there mm-hmm. in races. What do you what do you think about to get your mind off of things or to motivate yourself too? I guess both both of those sides. I think for me, I think about oh, I think a lot about all I did to to get to that race and to prepare myself for that race. And so when I feel not motivated or I'm like, man, this is like, I want to quit. This is so hard. I try to think positively and think about all the things I did to get here. Like this was my goal. This is what I wanted. Like I asked for this. No one's out here forcing me to compete in these races. And so I think your attitude has a lot to do with how well you do. Yeah. I try to always enjoy it and just be thankful that I'm able to be out here and doing what I love because a lot of people aren't able to, you know, compete in an Ironman or compete in races physically for physical reasons. They're not able to. So I just try to be thankful that I can be out there and just try to enjoy it and have fun. Even if I'm not doing good, I just try to be positive about it because that will determine how well I do in the race. So how long is a full Ironman? Like how long does that whole race take? Um, For me, it can take anywhere from 13 to 14 hours. And if for a pro, it could be nine, anywhere from nine to 12 hours. And then um, for some people, it takes up to 17 hours, which is, the cutoff time that they have for a full Ironman. Okay. Um, so you're fast. Imagine being, (laughs) imagine being out there working out constantly for 17 hours. I don't know if I've ever done anything for 17 hours. Oh no. No. Maybe, maybe sleeping. (laughs) I'm like really sick. I don't even know if I've slept for 17 hours. That's true too. So that's, 12 to 14 hours straight of focused thinking still. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be very focused. And the first, I'd say, five hours of the race just kind of go by really fast. Um, you're, you're just going, going, going. You're getting into your groove. And you're just, you're around so many people. You're not really thinking about what, what it is you're doing. Um, but after that, it becomes like, wow, I've been out here for over five hours. This is, this is a lot harder than I thought. And it, it becomes draining. And there are plenty of times when you want to stop. When you're on the bike about mile 80 to mile 90, hmm. you just want to stop for a second. Your butt hurts. Yeah. You're sick of the, the food that you've been eating, which is typically bars or gels and Gatorade or something Mm -hmm. and you just want to stop for a second but you really can't like because the moment you stop is like you feel you know what it's like to stop and you feel your body stopping 
And then after that, you're like, I'm just going to keep stopping. I'm going to go for a little bit and then I'm going to keep stopping. So the key in an Ironman is to just don't stop. It doesn't matter how slow you go. Just do not stop because once you stop, you won't want to keep going. Can you, can you go back a little bit to what does, what is training like? Like tell someone who hasn't done a triathlon before, what is, what is a typical day of training like for that? Yeah. Um, for me personally, because I work a full-time job, my training is early morning. So usually waking up at 5 a.m. and working out until about 7, 7.30 a.m. And then going to work all day long until, you know, 5 or 6. And then going and working out again. And working out from probably 6.30 to 8.39 is when I usually would get home. And then I would get home, eat dinner, take a shower, pack my gym bag for the next morning and do it all over again. So for about two years, that's what I did. I'd say 90% of the time. Um, And that was six days a week. So I would have one day off of not working out and the rest of the days I would be working out. On weekends, my workouts would be about five hours long, nonstop. Um, and it would be long bike rides, long runs, long swims in the pool. Um, with triathlon, it differs from running because running, you just, you only have to run. You have one sport and then you can work out in the gym as well. But with triathlon, you have to swim, you have to bike, you have to run, you have to strength train. And so you have four different types of working out that you have to do. And that's why I had to break it up twice a day because you can't do it all in the morning before work. Mm -hmm. And then you can't do it all at nighttime. Um, so it's just, it's a lot of working out. Um, it's a lot of time just to dedicate to working out. Like you don't, it probably sounds like I have a pretty boring life, which most people would say that I, that I do, but, and I did miss out on a lot. And it, it was hard to kind of like, oh, I can't stay out late because on a Friday night with my friend, because I have to wake up at 6 a.m. and go ride my bike for six hours or something like yeah. that. And it was hard and it sucked. But at the same time, like this was my goal. This is what I wanted. So nothing could get in the way of that goal. Like, and, and how I did in a race was determined like on me and what I put into my training is what I get out of my training. So that's the reason why I was okay with skipping out on things and just constantly training. It takes so much discipline. It takes a lot of discipline, <laughs> a lot of discipline. And it was a lot of daily reminders, like, I would write down what it is that my goal was, how I, what I had to do to get there, and then the steps that I was going to take to get there. And I did that in the very beginning of when I set this goal, and then I would just read it over and over again. I had a motivational board in my room, and on it I wrote, you are never given a dream without also being given the power to make it come true. And underneath it, I wrote Kona 2018. Hmm. And I'd, I'd see that every single day when I woke up. And so it was like just a constant reminder. Like I never, I could never escape that, that board. Like I saw it every single hmm. day. So 
it was a good reminder to keep my, my motivation up. And it seems like a lot of that was you are envisioning yourself there and reaching your goal all along the training. So you're not letting your, well, I'm sure you do have those moments where you think about defeat or you have a hard day of wanting to get out of bed or work out late or just tired, but it seems like you envisioned yourself at the end goal all along. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply you like nailed it. There were so many days, like so many days, maybe even like half, I would say where you just, you're tired all the time. And so when you're tired, you don't want to work out again. Or if you've already worked out that day, you don't want to work out again. Or like you just, you, if you don't hit like your target numbers, like your pace for your runs, aren't what you thought they'd be like, it's, it's not motivating. And you're like, well, I'm not even doing good. So why do I want to keep doing this? And like, you're failing, it's a struggle and it's hard. And like those, I think those are the days though, where it's the most important to work out and to keep pushing yourself into like, whatever your, whatever your goal is for anyone, I think when you don't want to do it, that's when you should do it the most. It's amazing to think of even your smaller training parts like smaller workouts so maybe you go on a run and then a swim in the morning you even have goals for those workouts yeah all those workouts are you have target numbers that you have to hit in the pool you have the power of the watts that you have to hit on your bike or that you have to stay in between and intervals to do and it's never just okay go out and swim okay go out and bike go out and run it's always a set workout where you have a goal to do for those workouts and probably majority of the time I never hit those numbers um because I was always tired and training on a fatigued body Mm -hmm. so it was it was great when I hit those numbers but for most of the time I never hit those numbers that's I just kept people need trying to, hear. to hit those numbers. <laughs> yeah. That to me empowers me so much more than you saying that you almost always hit your numbers. You know, like yeah. most people listening to this are like, well, shoot, I can't even do a half marathon, you know, but to hear that even your training, you weren't necessarily getting exactly where you wanted to be every single day, but it's more of the, the day-to-day trying is what got you to where mm-hmm. you are. Wow. I love that, Jamie. I want to know about procrastination. That would be a hard thing for me is to just, I feel like I'm a good procrastinator and that not in a good way. <laughs> you know, I'm a good <laughs> procrastinator in that I get busy with something else when I'm not wanting to do the harder thing. Has that ever been mm-hmm. an issue for you with your training? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, I mean, there's definitely days where I did not want to train, like where laying on the couch or going out with a friend sounded so much better than going and riding my bike for five hours or going and being in the pool for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I also think that with procrastination, it has to do a lot with our moods. Um, Mm. I think that we tend to like talk ourselves into believing that whatever that task we have to do, oh, I don't want to do that. That seems so hard today. Or, oh, it's just so exhausting. I don't have time for this. And it's all in our heads, I think, like, because when you do it, you're so happy that you did it and you're glad that you got the job done. But it's like that initial getting there part, like, Hmm. that's hard. But I think that's all in our minds. And so a lot of the time when I was procrastinating to go on a bike ride or a run or anything, I would just tell myself, like, what like, what is my end goal here? Like, is sitting on the couch going to help me get to Kona? And the answer would always be no. Yeah. <laughs> or most likely it would always be no. And so I would just eventually, it t- sometimes it took time, but eventually I would get up and I would go for that workout or go do whatever it is that I had to do. And I was so glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, Every time. But it's that initial first trying to talk yourself into getting there and doing it part. That's hard. So what created that ability in you, that ability to talk back to the negative thoughts in your mind or even the tired thoughts? Is that something you developed through your training or did you have that earlier in your life from other experiences? That's a good question. Um, Maybe it's a trait that I always had, but it never really came out until my training. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's a trait that I developed over the training. I think, I think for me, so growing up, my brother, he raced professional motocross and I watched him day after day after day, just Mm. work his butt off to become a professional, a professional athlete. And I saw what it took for him to do that and for him to get there. And I saw the times when he failed and I saw the times when he succeeded. And I think that by watching him and knowing firsthand what it takes to really succeed, it helped me to kind of always know, like, if I want something, then I have to work really hard toward it. And like, that has to be my main focus that I, I just, I have to be determined and, by, by procrastinating, that's not going to help me get to where I want to be mm-hmm. or being negative isn't going to help me get where I want to be. So I think just seeing firsthand what it really takes to be a top athlete um, has helped me to be a successful athlete as well, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I see that common thread in your story too is just surrounding yourself by by people who are achieving things and who believe in you too, that you can do it. But just that example is incredibly motivating and you've learned a lot from them, I think too. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I have so many great role models in my life. Like I don't even know how I got so lucky to have so many great people who stand by me and support me and, who are just great role models. Like I watch them. I watch how they succeed in life, like outside of sports, maybe in like their careers or their relationships or their families. And they just, they all work hard and they're all positive people and they help other people out 
You've talked about how you have had some dark moments in your training. Are there any that stand out to you, those dark moments? Uh, yeah, this year, actually. So this year was, you know, determined to be my best year. Um, it was the year that everything that I worked for came down to. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the year, it was, it wasn't like exciting anymore. I mm-hmm. didn't, I didn't want to train. I didn't want to race anymore. I didn't think that it was worth it anymore. Um, I, I wanted to quit, Hmm. but, but surrounding myself with people who like encouraged me and uplifted me, you know, reminded me of my goal, I think is what helped me to get out of those dark times and to really like continue working toward my goal. And what about the races? What has been the hardest part of actually competing Um, the hardest part of competing, I think the time that it takes the race itself. Yes, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. Um, but the time that it takes to train for these is, is probably the hardest. It's, it's hard on your friends. It's hard on your family. It's it's hard on a relationship because you're kind of selfish in a way. Like you take so much time to go out and train for all hours of the day. And then after your training, you're really tired. Like you don't want to do anything. Like luckily for me, I don't have like kids that I have to come. I mean, luckily right now for me, like I did this at a good age, but I don't have kids that I have to come home to and cater to, but there's people who do. And for them, like, I just, I applaud them because I don't know how they do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but in racing, I think the hardest part is you get to a point where it's just mentally, it mentally just wears on you. And you're kind of like, why am I out here doing this? And you get a lot of negative thoughts in your mind especially if you're not doing good. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but I think no matter what, even when I was in Canada and I was winning, I got negative thoughts and I wanted to quit. Mm -hmm. But I think triathlon and sports in general teaches you to be mentally strong and the struggles that you go through in your training make you not only physically stronger, but mentally stronger so that when you get there on your race day and you're having those dark moments, you look, you can look back and think of all the things that you went through and the struggles that you went through and that you ha- and how you got through them. And then that carries you to the finish line in a race. So I bet that's kind of a long, that answer might be the same answer to the question I have now about your standout moments. Like what are some of the standout moments of your first Ironman? The one that you competed in Whistler? The standout moment for me was for sure winning, but the moment, not just winning in general, but so in an Ironman also, it's, you don't ever know what place you're in because of the way that you start, you do. Yeah. So it's it's a mass start usually. And so you don't start with the people in your age group and you just, you go. And so you never know where other people in your age group are, if they're ahead of you, if they're behind you. Um, they could also be behind you, but they could be 
beating you in time if they started a few minutes after you. Oh, I see. Um, And so it's very complicated to know what place you're in. And so for the entire swim and the entire bike, I had no idea what place I was in. Wow. Which maybe maybe that worked to my advantage because I wasn't stressing about it. Um, so that's like eight when hours, I got to the, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like just not knowing where the other girls are. Like I don't know if I can catch them. I don't know if they're behind me. I don't know how close they are to being behind me. Um, so that's really hard. And I remember when I first got off my bike and onto the run. One of my friends that was there who didn't know anything about triathlons, who was just there to support and have fun, he said to me, you're in first place, keep going. And he didn't believe him because he didn't know anything about triathlons. Oh, I see, yeah. I was like, I didn't want to rely on that information because I'm like, if he does it, like, he doesn't know how to track online. How to, It's very tricky how to track online to see what place people are in. And mm. so... I didn't want to rely on him for that information to be accurate. And so I just kept running and I'm like, maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. Regardless, I got to keep running and I can't stop. And then at mile 18 of the run, I saw my mom and my friends again. And my mom ran by my side and said, you're in first place, but you're only in first place by two minutes. Like you can't, you cannot stop you can run slow, but you cannot stop. And I mean, mile 18, like think about it after the swim and the bike and the run, and you only have eight miles left to go. And I'm freaking out like, Oh my gosh, I'm in first place. Like I'm doing it, but, but eight miles to go. And with only a two minute lead in an Ironman is not a lot at all. Like Mm. anything can happen in an Ironman. Like I could start cramping, I could start having pain in my legs to the point where I have to stop and walk. So I didn't want to like get too excited. So I just kept going and tried to remain calm. And with a mile left, I ran back past my mom and they were like, you're a mile away from winning and getting the one, the one qualifying spot to Kona. And I just started bawling my eyes out wow and so then I'm getting chills thinking about that (laughs) and so then I I finished the last mile and it was the longest mile I've ever ran I don't think it was really a mile I think it was much longer yeah (laughs) and (laughs) it felt never ending I'm like how is this mile still going (laughs) but I crossed the finish line I had tears in my eyes I couldn't believe it And when I saw my mom, I walked over to her and hugged her. And she's like, you won. Mm -hmm. And you won by an hour and a half. And I was like, what? She goes, I'm so sorry. I had to lie to you because I didn't want you to stop and walk. I was like, you told me I had a two-minute lead when really I was winning by over an hour and a half? I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, it's so funny that she did that, but, like, in the moment, I was like, why did you do that? And she's like, I didn't want you to stop and walk. Like, I, yeah. if I told you you were winning by an hour and a half, you could have stopped. And what if, like, what if that changed everything? And so, mm. like, I'm so thankful that she lied to me. Yeah. And it's such a funny story. But that was definitely the, like, most standout moment for sure. 
That is a good story. Your mom knew what she was doing, too. <laughs> she, she did. And one of my best friends who was there, she's like, I don't want to lie to Jamie. I want to tell her the truth. My mom's like, if you tell her the truth, I'm going to be mad at you. Do not tell her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's such a great story, though. And I want to know about Kona. What about your, your moments in that race? What are some standout moments? Oh, Kona is... Kona is just, like, so magical. Like, I, I hardly have, like, the words to describe it. It's, like, being there, the energy is, it's just, uh, it's unreal. It's so positive and, but you're also, like, anxious the entire time because you're competing with the fastest, like, triathletes from hmm. all over the world. Yeah. And so it's very humbling, um, but it's just, it's amazing, and the course is so hard. Yeah. So hard. Harder than I could have ever imagined it to be, and harder than, 10 times harder than Whistler was, and I thought Whistler was really hard. Yeah. But it was it was so amazing. Um, I think the two moments that were, like, the absolute best to me were, so when I started the run, um, right away I had my family and then two of my best friends were in Hawaii with us and yeah. they were beach cruisers by my side for 25 miles of the run. That's amazing. They, they had music going. They were, you know, telling me stories and talking to me and we were just, we were laughing. We were having a great time and it was so much fun. Like, and my mom just kept saying, I've never had this much fun at a race. This is the oh. most fun I've ever had. And so that was, like, really exciting that all of them had been out there all day long cheering for people in the heat, like, being on their feet, and they they were just having a blast. And so I was so glad that they were having fun because being a spectator for an event that takes, you know, 14 to 15 hours is really hard. Yeah. Like, that's a full day for them as well. Yeah. And so it was just great having them there supporting me and getting me through, through it because it did get really hard. Mm. And, um, the other moment that is just so incredible, the last mile of the run, um, running down Ali'i drive, you just have thousands and thousands of people from all over the world, just oh. cheering for you, screaming, high-fiving you music going, people ringing bells for you, and the ground is, you can't even, you can hardly even see the pavement because it's covered in chalk because everyone oh, yeah. writes motivational things, they write your name, they draw pictures for you, it's just, it's unreal, and then you run down the red carpet and everyone's high-fiving you and cheering you on and yelling so loud, like the energy is just, it's it's a surreal feeling for sure. And then you cross the finish line and, you know, it's like they announced Jamie Davis, you are an Ironman world championship finisher. And it, it was, it's like, I don't even have words to describe how amazing it is. Yeah. Oh, I want to put, you have a video of, or do you have a video of those last, that last little bit? I do have a video and I have some great pictures I've that I would, pictures. I would love to share with you. I do have a video. What I'd like to do is 
include a link to them in the notes I have on the podcast because I just want people to experience that moment for you. It just sounds so exhilarating. It sounds like the biggest reward you can have for all the work. I mean, that's two years of work for you. It really was. Like, it, like, so everyone wants to go to Ironman World Championships because, I mean, the name itself, like, I got to compete in Ironman World Championships. But for me, like, I just wanted to go because I knew that that feeling of running down Ali'i Drive the last mile and having all those people around, like, that feeling and the feeling of crossing the finish line after so much hard work is the reason that I wanted to go to Kona and race Kona. Um, And the feeling like is so indescribable, but it's, it was worth every hard day of training, every hour that I was on the bike for seven hours on Saturdays. Like Hmm. it was just the most incredible feeling and it triumphs all those bad days, all the long training days, all the days where I didn't hit my like target numbers. And I thought, this isn't for me. I'm never going to go to Kona. I'm not good enough. Like all those negative thoughts. It just, it triumphs all of it. I hope everyone has something like that. And I was not that they complete an <laughs> Iron Man, but no, but that feeling, that feeling of, yeah. And it's like, for me also, like, I just, I still can't believe that I did it. I can't believe that I set a goal. I picked a date and I made a plan of how I was going to get there. And I just can't believe that I actually did it. Like to me, it was the journey itself was life changing and, um, probably helped shape the person that I am and the person that I'll be in the future. But yeah, I hope that everyone at least experiences something like that in their life where they really want something and they work really hard toward it and they accomplish it. It's because it really is the most like amazing feeling and to do it for yourself. And also like I do also for the people who support me, like I don't want to let them down because they've supported me and helped me so much that they're like, they're the reason that I'm there and why I'm doing it. So it's great to see like all the hard work pay off and it probably like makes them feel good too. Oh, I'm so proud of you for that. You know, we talked about how dedicated you have to be in your training and your thoughts, like probably your eating too. I'm sure your strength training, like everything about it has to be on target. I want to know about perfectionism for you. So it seems like you have to be so driven, but how would you answer the question? Are you a perfectionist? Um, I definitely don't consider myself a perfectionist. Um, I actually probably am the complete opposite where I don't really think that there's anything. Um, I don't think there's any such thing as being perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. which is funny because a ton of athletes, especially triathletes are planners and like they freak out if things don't go according to plan yeah. because they're perfectionists. Well, that's why I bring it up because it does require so much drive. I just love to hear that you say you wouldn't label yourself as a perfectionist. You're just so driven. So tell me what that yeah. difference is for you. How are you able to balance that in your mind being so driven 
but not letting that, you know, a, a goal of perfection interfering with your bigger goals. Yeah, I, I'd like to go, like, I'm definitely more of an easygoing person and I like to just go with the flow um, because life changes so fast and things always happen that are out of our control. And so I think if you're a perfectionist, then you stress out about things a ton and you stress out about things that are out of your control. Well, in a race, for example, or in training, like things go wrong all the time and you have to be able to quickly adapt to those changes. Otherwise you're going to stress out, you're going to freak out and you're not going to have a good race. But if you are just able to quickly think of an alternate solution of how to get the job done with these changes and you just go with the flow, like you won't be stressed out and you'll figure it out. I think that if you just, you kind of got to think of like all the different scenarios that could go wrong, not only in life, but in like triathlons and for me for triathlons as well. Like before a race, like what if I get a flat tire or what if I'm swimming and my goggles get kicked off and I lose my goggles? What if I start cramping on the run? So I always try to think of worst case scenarios and what can go wrong and then how I'm going to solve that problem if it happens. Um, but I really try not to stress about things that are out of my control. And I just, I just go with the flow and I think of solutions on the spot with whatever comes along. And I think that that helps to not be stressed out in triathlon and in life. So I would label you as focused, but flexible. Like you just yes, have so exactly. much focus <laughs> and drive but like you said, like it seems like you are, there's still a healthy amount of being kind toward yourself and the journey to getting where you want to be. And also not letting, I feel like a perfectionism is a lot of fear-based thinking and you seem to be more driven in a positive way of thinking. Yes, I would totally agree. I, I mean, I definitely have days where I'm not positive or where I think negative thoughts or something like that. But I think for the most part, I just try to live a genuinely like positive life and just love life. Mm -hmm. But like always just, just trying to always be, I guess, optimistic is what yeah. I am. Um, I always try to see the good in things and the bright side. And if things go wrong, like it's probably for a reason and I just try to look at it as a good thing rather than a negative thing. And I think that maybe that's also why I was successful in my, like my goals and my triathlon experience um, is because I just try to always remain positive. Like I think a positive attitude is going to bring the positivity to your life and the success to your life. I so agree with that. And it seems like the fact that you were not perfectionist minded in your training, you kept going to become successful because otherwise how many times could have you given up like every other day right if you didn't meet your targets if you had been perfectionist minded you would have given up yeah and there was there was plenty of days where I wanted to give up of but course. in the end like the goal itself is like that's what I wanted and so when you when you set a goal 
you're going to have failures and you're going to have days when you succeed as well, but the failures are what's going to make you the better, like not only a better person, but for me, like a better athlete or better at whatever it is that you're trying to do. I'm writing things down. Like failure makes you who you are. I love that. <laughs> it really does. Um, there was actually, so when I was going through like dark days and hard times, I read a quote and it said, um, obstacles aren't meant to prevent you from, you know, getting where you want to be. They're meant to help you and make you stronger and that everything that you're going through is preparing you for what you asked for. And I think that that is true in, I mean, that helped me. I applied it to triathlons, but I think it's true in life. Like yeah. anything that you're going through is preparing you for what it is that you asked for. So if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you're ever like wondering, why is this happening to me? Like I, I thought that a lot, like why me, why me? And yeah. it's because it was preparing me for what I wanted. It was, I had to make myself stronger mentally and physically so that I would be able to cross the finish line in my Ironmans. And so that when I was feeling down or felt defeated in my races, that I could still get through it because I've gotten through harder things before. Okay. I like, need to make a list of all the sayings you've said <laughs> so many things that, but the thing I love about them all is not like just work harder, be, you know, you're not enough. Try more. It's just like, you know, this is life and, and just valuing the trials and the obstacles you're facing will make you better in the end. So it really will. Like that's truly what I believe. That's what I'm taking away from this whole discussion. <laughs> so I love that. Um, what are you working on next? Or are you resting? Right now, Can you rest? I am. <laughs> right now I have. So Kona has officially been three weeks mm-hmm. from today that I've been done. And I've worked out once. It's great. I love I am it. I'm proud of you. Uh, that is great. Um, I've eaten more food than I probably would never normally eat which I love also yeah. plenty of cookies and pizza and just yummy food. Um, but yeah, just kind of doing what I feel like, um, taking a little break. I still enjoy working out, but I'm just kind of not doing anything structured and going with the flow, whatever I feel like. If I want to work out, I do. If I don't, I don't. Um, good for you. Yeah, I'm I'm sure in a few months I'll be like, okay, I got to get some type of goal yeah. going again. But right now I'm just enjoying this downtime and hanging out with friends, family, and enjoying the not having to stick to a training plan. Yeah. Seems like you'd need that mentally too. Oh, but Even totally. more so than physically. Yeah, I think mentally because it is mentally like exhausting and draining. And for most people, after they complete a full Ironman, they immediately, like they just stop for about two months or something Mm -hmm. like that and just rest um, because their body needs it mentally and physically their body needs it. But for me, I did my full Ironman in Canada in July 
Oh, and right after that, I, I had I had a week and a half, <gasps> two weeks maybe of just. That's all I had a week, week of. I had a week of full rest of doing nothing, and then I slowly eased back into it my second week, and then after that, it was straight back to it, and um, all the way up until October. So I was mentally and physically, I just wanted to be done, yeah. but I just. I kept pushing and I was like, this is what I wanted. This is what I worked for. I got to keep going. Um, But yeah, so I'm excited to just have a break right now. Do you think you'll keep racing tries um, at the very least? Yes, I, I think I will. I can't imagine not doing it anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. For a while I kept saying, all right, I'm never going to do another triathlon again. That was before. Before, before I had race Kona, it was just when I was pretty, like, worn down. Um, but after Kona, I don't I, – I couldn't imagine not doing another triathlon ever again. So probably another Ironman I won't do for a couple of years, I would yeah. say, just because it's so much time and energy. But half Ironman, Olympic distance triathlon, sprint distance triathlon, I can see in my near future. One of the very few things I've learned in my life is there's a time and a season for everything, including your dreams, you know, so there's, there's a time for one dream and there's a time to step back for another. And maybe for you, that, that means just a little more balance for you. I totally agree with you. Like, I think that doing this while I'm young has been great when I don't really have too many you know, major responsibilities where I'm not a wife, I'm not a mom. Um, I just work and, you know, that's my main responsibility. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for, like, the next chapter of my life and to see what I do and what new goals I set. Well, I'm excited to hear what you end up doing, even if it's just doing just, just doing <laughs> smaller tricks. <laughs> Which is still amazing because I cannot even swim. So you'll have to give me some tips on even how to swim. But I want to I want to ask you a final question. Um, Okay. so what have you learned about yourself? I would say in the past few years, what have you learned about yourself? Hmm. I think that I've learned I'm stronger than I thought I was. Um. And I think I've just learned to, like, do what do what makes you happy and what you love doing. Yeah. Throughout this journey, I had plenty of people who were like, "Really, you spend all your time training? Like, that's not a that's not a life. Like, that's not exciting. You need to, you know, do more things, or you need to go out and maybe party." They would say, but I'm not that's not what I want to do. Um, that's not what makes or me they happy. Would, right. Or they would just be um, discouraging and t- mm. telling me, you know, average girls don't go to Kona. You're, like Kona is a great goal, but you need to be realistic. And I think learning to not listen to like those negative thoughts and just do what makes me happy. Like it paid off. I, I did what I wanted to do, and um, I think, like, 
the value of a hard worth ethic is really important. And I think that having good, solid, genuine people in your life is like key to not only being successful, but to just like living a happy life. Like there's a saying that you are, you are like the people that you surround yourself with. And so I, I truly try to surround myself with just like positive, uplifting people who want to like push each other and help each other succeed. Like I, I love that. Like I love helping other people and like pushing them to succeed because I've had help and I've had people who push me to succeed. And it's, it's just like a feeling like no other, like to have someone else who cares about your own like personal growth. And so, um, basically that's what I have like learned throughout this process and like what I hope to give to other people, like to help to push them to succeed, to be the best version of themselves and to constantly grow and better themselves. Jamie, I have so many takeaways from this, from this interview. I've, <laughs> I have a long list of things I want to write down that you said and like put up somewhere. I've written a lot of notes in and of itself, but I just want to thank you for giving this interview. You're so inspiring and I love the sacrifice you put behind all that you did, but I also love the thoughts that you have behind it of yourself and your journey. And the biggest takeaway I have is how your journey in and of, of itself was life changing. And, and that's what I hope our listeners can, can glean from what you've said is it's not so much where you get to not all of us can be Ironmans, but we can learn so much about ourselves and the journey that we're taking to just better ourselves in our lives. So thank you so much for teaching that. You are welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I was like in shock when you asked me and I'm so glad that you did. Cause I hope that at least if my story can inspire one person, then that's a win to me. So hopefully, hopefully it inspires more than one person, but if it's just one, then I'm happy with that. So thank you. I know it will. So, and I appreciate you saying yes. You're my first yes that I had. So <laughs> You're also the first person I asked, so that was incredibly motivating. So thank you, and I I hope we can hear more from you in the near future. Yes, definitely. Thank you again. I had a blast, and I hope everyone enjoyed listening. Isn't Jamie great? I love her refreshing honesty and optimism and drive. It's such a hard combination, I think, to find in elite athletes like Jamie, someone who is so focused but also flexible. And I hope we can learn that from her, that what really matters each day is taking those steps that we need to do every single day, however small or big they are, and not giving up when we don't do it perfectly or if we fail altogether. And also having a vision of where we want to end up in the long run. That seemed to make a huge difference for Jamie to have that vision of herself crossing the finish line at Kona. So figure it out what that is for you. What is your Kona? What What is the thing that you want to work towards and achieve? And it doesn't have to be an Ironman, but I, I want to challenge you. And I'm going to challenge myself to really think about where I want to be within the next five years and to make it a concrete vision in my head to push me through those hard days where I don't hit my own personal targets of what I want to do. Jamie, thank you so much for inspiring us all through that interview and for being you. 
If you enjoyed her interview, please share it with a friend or family member. Show them how podcasts work and how they can listen on their device or on their computer. And if you'd like to hear more of these podcasts in the future, please subscribe. And also, I would love it if you could leave a review. That's a great way for iTunes to pick up on this podcast and show people who are listening to like-minded things that they should also listen to this podcast. I would love to keep this going week after week for as long as we can. Again, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and I will see you again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.